Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Somebody say miracles. Miracles. I don't know about you, but I'm asking for some miracles in my life. Anybody else asking for, some, for, some, for God to do the supernatural in your life? Or you, I, know, I live in by faith, God, but there are things that I am presenting to you. Lord, I know that it would be incredible for me to win the Powerball, um, but it is going to take a what? A miracle. Lord, by faith, I'm believing that this girl or this guy that I absolutely am obsessed with uh, supernaturally would fall in love with me, but it's going to take a what? A, a miracle. Well, we're praying for a child, but it's going to take a miracle. Lord, I pray that I would ace this test, ace this exam. I have not studied at all, but I'm believing by faith that I will get an, I will get an A, but it's going to take a miracle. I mean, we're, we're often consumed with these things. Our world loves to talk about them, and, and you could have your miracle today with a small fee, you know, just a subscription, and we'll, we'll give you a, a miracle. And, and uh, I, I think about that all the time. And I want to take you to a, to a passage in Psalm 77. If you have your Bibles, can we open that up? Psalm 77. The writer says in verse uh, 13, Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among peoples. You are the God of what? Miracles. You are the God of what? Tell somebody next to you, he is the God of what? Miracles. And a miracle is it's an extraordinary event that's manifesting the divine God into human affairs. That, that's what a miracle is. It's the supernatural stepping into the natural. I can't explain it. Science can't explain it. It can only be explained that God is somehow doing a miracle. And all throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, the early church, we read about God doing the extraordinary. You know, it was like seven years ago, my little nephew was running around and we were by, by the pool and he just slipped in and he fell and he couldn't swim. And so I had to, just sitting there immediately as, a, as an adult, I step in and I remember picking him up out of, the, out of the pool and holding him as he cried. But I'll never forget when I looked down because I'm assuming, you know, now I'm, I'm soaked because I had to step into the pool and I was wearing, you know, dress pants and, a, and I had a new pair of dress shoes that I bought. Believe it or not, I, have, I own a pair of dress shoes. Um, I, I remember stepping in there thinking, Man, I'm soaked now, but, I, you know, I saved my nephew. And I, I remember looking down, and I didn't see one drop of, of water on my shoes or my pants. I, I mean, it's crazy. And I couldn't stop talking about it. Not only did, did my nephew fall in and I picked him out of the water, but my pants or my shoes didn't get wet. It's crazy. I kept telling people for weeks. I'm like, God did a miracle in my life. And then how? Can you hear me? I remember thinking like, God, that would be the miracle that you would do in my life to not get my dress shoes wet. But we're, we're fascinated by this stuff. And can I remind you, church, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how new in the faith you are, how old you are in the faith, we serve a God of miracles. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you are good, that you are God. And Lord, as we discuss this, I know there are many of us who have desired and sought after you to do the supernatural in our life, but it hasn't happened. And we're not quite sure if it's a lack of faith or you're just simply not wanting to step into this situation. Because we read all throughout scripture that even Jesus, your son, he walked over many to heal one. He decided not to heal this individual or 
the people in that city, he decided to move on to where he was going. And so we don't understand all of these things, but what we do know is that you are good, that you are God, and that you are a God of miracles. And so today with the word, with the scriptures, encourage the body today, those watching and online today, that you are good and you are great. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Would you tell the person next to you that they look good today and that you're glad that you're sitting next to them? I'm going to take it off. Um, last night, I was, uh, I, had a, I have three, three little kids. Anybody got three kids? <clears throat> Anybody struggling to breathe at night, you know? Uh, <laughs> um, so my little one, who's one and a half, her name is Blakely. She's, we're in bed now, and she's crying and screaming. And, you know, I did what any good husband said. I tapped my wife on the shoulder. And I said, hey, can you go check on your daughter, please? Because uh, I got to preach tomorrow. And, um, <laughs> uh, well, the truth is I wasn't sleeping. I was actually watching um, the Dolphins game on the TV while I was watching the Inter-Miami game on my phone. And I was just, I don't know, you know, let's be honest, Americans, we've all become soccer fans now that Leo Messi has come to America, right? He comes to the land of the free. And so um, I'm sitting there and the baby's crying and I don't know what to do because I got to watch the game. And so I, I go into her room and, and I'm holding her and I get into the rocking chair. And, you know, those moments are super, are super precious, aren't they? I'm like, I didn't want to do it. I'd rather sleep, but here I am now and I'm rocking my child and I'm watching the game, you know, right, right over her. And it's, it's low. And I'm just waiting. I'd love to see Messi score. It's his first MLS game. And, and I'm sitting there rocking. I got my phone out. And I'm like, all right, come on. And all of a sudden, in the 88th minute, what does he do? He scores. But I can't scream. And so I start, I start shaking my phone. I'm like, <laughs> And all three of my kids wake up out of bed. All three of them. Uh, but uh, praise God. Praise God. So we need to be praying for Inner Miami this year, praying for the Dolphins this year. In Jesus' name. Uh, Dolphins fans out here, come on, come on. This is, this is, the, this is it. Um, a college student, where's my Bible? Is my Bible? Where is my Bible? Where did I put it? Oh, here it is. I'm like, man, anybody have a Bible in the room? You know, if you have a Bible, you can go to Psalm 77, but just hold it up for a second. Isn't this thing, isn't this thing incredible? So maybe you got your Bible on your phone. That's okay. But every time I read it, God seems to do something in my life. Whether it's he reveals something to me or he shows me something or he encourages me something. I love this Bible. A college student asked John Piper a question. He said, John, we seem to uh, see signs and wonders and miracles all throughout our Bibles. But for many of us, we see an absence of signs, wonders, and miracles around us. Where did the wonders go? That's a great question I think many of us might be thinking of. Maybe you're on, on one side that you would say, well, the miracles have ceased. They don't really happen anymore. And if they do, they're extremely rare. Maybe you're on the other side that says, no, I believe that they happen. And I believe that they can happen. It's just a lack of faith that we have. And I don't know why God isn't doing what he could do and what he has done. And so many of us have, have given up on believing that God is going to do the supernatural. We don't, we don't see them. We don't experience them. Maybe we hear them. And even the ones that we do hear, whether it's through the news or through Twitter, we, we really don't believe. We, we question them and we become too intellectual um, for the spiritual. And is it necessarily a, a wrong thing? Because God does use a lot of things today, like modern medicine, to bring healing. You with me? So, so we question things because we don't always experience them. We know that they belong here in the Old Testament. We see them in the New Testament in the early church. But it's as if they're extremely rare today. And because I don't experience them, because I don't see them, I don't see the extraordinary happening. I don't see the abnormal happening often. I have come to the conclusion that God is simply out of business in the miracle making. Reminds me when I go to Destin every year. We take a family trip up to Destin in the Panhandle. And we go to this mall, and this mall has this big kiosk. It's kind of like a permanent fixture there. And on the top of this kiosk, it says Dave's Dogs. And we go to Dave's Dogs every year. In fact, they're the best hot dog in the world. It, it, but it's really all about the buns. That's what separates it. And that's their slogan, like it's in the buns. You know, it's like, remember like the EA Sports, it's in the game. It's like Dave's Dogs, it's in the buns. And every year we'd go there. We'd buy like 100 of them. They're, they were so good. And one year we went up, and Dave's Dogs was not there. And we were angry. We, we, we questioned God. Our faith was, was struggling. And we were believing in a miracle that one day Dave's dogs would appear again. And every year we'd go back. Dave's dogs was not there. It seemed as if Dave's dogs 
went out of business. One year we found out that there was a local restaurant that picked up the recipe and said, hey, we're selling Dave's dogs. And we, we, we tailed our, you know, over there and we sat down, we ate them and they weren't as great. Dave's dogs is, is truly out of business. But one day I'm still believing that God would perform a miracle. And this Christmas we're going back up there. And we will go, and it's in Pensacola, but we will go to Destin and we will look for Dave's dogs. You better believe it. So let me answer this question for you. We sing about it. A lot of the songs we'll sing about. Does God still perform miracles? Yes. Come on, somebody say yes. Somebody shout yes. It would be unbiblical for us. It would be foolish for us to think that God is somehow out of the miracle business. Somehow he does not operate. Somehow the miracles have ceased. Nowhere in scripture does it talk about miracles and signs and, wonder, and wonders no longer belonging here in our age today. However, I wonder if the Bible lays a foundation of why we don't see the things that we read about in the Old Testament. Why we don't see Always the things that we read about in the New Testament. The guy says to John, where did these signs and wonders go? So go back to Psalm 77 with me. And I want you to note a couple things that, believe it or not, this isn't David that's, that's reading this or writing this psalm. Many of you may think David has written all of the psalms. There's, what, 150 of them. Uh, he's actually, at least of what we know for certain, only written 73 of them. The secondary writer was a man by the name of Asaph. In fact, believe it or not, Moses wrote one of the Psalms. Asaph is the chief worship leader. He's the chief musician. He's a, he's a prophetic writer and singer and songwriter. And um, he's writing this Psalm in Psalm 77, verse 13, which says, your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God. You are the God who performs what? Miracles. You display your power among the peoples. I mean, this is an incredible passage. The passage you should print out and put on your fridge or your mirror, whichever one you visit often. And so these, this is a scripture that we hold on to. We believe in this. We love this. But I have to give you some context of this passage. Because Asaph isn't like, God, you're so great. I love you. Um, Asaph is in anguish. He's suffering. He's having a hard time right now with his faith because he's asking and begging God to intervene. And he asks the question in Psalm 77. He says, God, have you forsaken your favor over my life? Will you ever come back again and give me favor? Will you ever show up and, and do something like the, the, the supernatural in my life again? And so he questions, like we would often question, God, I have great faith, but I also have great pain. God, I believe in my heart that you can do these things, but in my body, God, I, I, I know that I am hurting and I have not seen anything yet. And I want to take you back to verse 10 in Psalm 77. Because Asaph, what does he do? He asks some questions, which reminds us that we should be very honest with God. We don't need to hide our emotions or our feelings with God. Tell him how you feel. Try and do it without cussing, you know, but tell him how you feel. Be honest with where you're at. But look at verse 10. This is what he says in verse 10. He says, then I thought, to this I will appeal, that the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord, I will remember your miracles of long ago. God, I'm hurting, but I'm gonna go back to the miracle bank of what you did long ago. God, I have a lot of requests that I've made to you, but I'm gonna go back to the miracle bank of what you did long ago. Now, this might be something we say today. God, I remember the things that you wrote in your scriptures long ago. Ago, But can I, can I make an accurate statement that may shock you? Miracles weren't running all throughout the history of God's people like you may think. No, this Bible is full of it. Every verse, every passage. I believe this is all inspired by the Holy Spirit, yes. But as far as what God did in his miracles and the supernatural intervening in the natural, this book right here is not full of it like you may think. In fact, we'll often find the miracles of God came in spurts, came in time periods. Let, let me take it back to the very beginning, which my son is memorizing right now in school. Genesis 1-1. Judah, what is it? Now he's, he's drawing something on my, my dad's iPad. So, so you're not taking notes today, Dad, I see, because my son is, is using it. In the beginning, God created the what? The heavens and the earth. How many days did it take him? Six, I don't even know. Six days, he rested on the seventh. I do know that. 
That's the first miracle right there, the miracle of creation. All that he created. First miracle in the beginning. And then, you know the second miracle? You have a guy named Noah. His father's name is Enoch. Enoch, it says he walked, and then he walked no more. God just poofed, took him. It was like an alien invasion came down, and we're very familiar with aliens these days. They come down, and they just zapped him. Just like that, second miracle. And then you get to, you know, the flood. You get to the Tower of Babel, God, you know, changing up all their languages. You get to Abraham and Sarah, who had a child in their late 90s, by the way. And that's a miracle then, and it'd be a miracle today. And then we get to the Exodus period. So we have certain time periods. You have the beginning of God doing great miracles. And then you get to the Exodus period of God also doing great miracles. Perhaps these might be some of the most common known miracles. Where he calls Moses to go back to his people. If you remember, you had Joseph living in Egypt. Joseph was second in command. He brought his whole family. They all died off and generations died off, but the Israelites continued to grow and grow and grow. And Pharaoh was like, I, I can't have all these people growing so fast. What if they were to overtake us? So what does he do? He enslaves them. But Moses is, grows up in Pharaoh's house and he realizes that he's not one of them and these are my people and I need to do something about this. And, and so he acts in some harsh way and kills a man and then he runs off and then he, he gets, has an encounter with God through a burning bush. This is, go to Exodus chapter four if you have your Bibles, Exodus four. And God tells Moses through a burning bush to free his people. Now, if, if, if I'm Moses thinking that God is gonna use me to talk to some man of authority to free my people, um, God, what are you going to tell me to say? Because I don't think that I'm going to even be able to get to this man, let alone convince him that who I am and who you've sent and the message that I bring is authentic. So, so what are you going to do, God, to convince this man to let your people go? And I want you to notice in verse one of chapter four, he says, what if they do not believe me? Now, here's a thought. I wonder if Moses is really asking the question himself. What if I don't believe myself? But he says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Well, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground and it became a what? A snake. And then he ran from it. And then the Lord said, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And so Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and then it turned back into a what? A staff in his hand. Verse five says, this said the Lord, is so they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Now, if you go to verse eight, the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, then they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you at all, take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground, and the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. So in order to, Moses, authenticate the message that you are going to bring and that you have actually had an encounter with God, I'm going to do signs and wonders through you, Moses, so that the people would believe. And if they don't believe the first, then do the second, pick it up. And if they don't believe that, then grab some water and, and pour it on the ground and it'll be blood. Now Moses goes on to have a series of conversations with Pharaoh. And well, Pharaoh's heart, Pharaoh's heart is hardened, we know that. And then God begins to use Moses and Aaron to perform more miracles. And then you have the 10 plagues that show up, eventually leading to the final plague where God took the firstborn son of any family in the region unless you were put the blood on the, 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 the doorpost and Pharaoh was finally, God took my firstborn, get out of here. And Moses and Aaron and the people left. But it's interesting because Moses and Aaron weren't the only ones who were doing miracles. If you go back to the very beginning, when Moses and Aaron show up to Pharaoh and they do the, they do the whole staff trick, you know, they throw, the, throw it on the floor and it turns into a snake and they pick it back up and it turns into a snake. Well, Pharaoh had some of his own wise men and magicians. And he gathered them and he said, my people can do the same thing. And sure enough, Pharaoh's wise men throw their staffs on the ground and they also turn into a snake. Not even that, but they also took water from the Nile and they poured it and then it 
became blood. Not only that, but when, when Moses and Aaron summoned a bunch of frogs, again, to prove a sign and wonder that they had been sent by God, his people did the same thing. Now, there's some speculation whether or not these people actually had power from the devil, because how many know the devil likes to emulate miracles? The devil is a deceiver. Or they were magicians and using some type of sleight of hand. Illusions. But the point is, regardless, whether from man or from the devil, whatever they bring, whatever they try and show you, it is no match with the power of God. No match at all. Whatever man tries to tell you, convince you, show you, prove to you, it's an illusion from the devil. It's not God. What God has is much greater. What God can do is much greater. Don't be convinced by how appealing the devil may be. God's power is greater. And so we see this, these miracles happening through the Exodus period. And then we get to Elijah and Elisha, some of the great prophets. They have some of the craziest miracles. You know, you see the Jordan parting like the Red Sea. You see an axe head floating. You see people being raised from the dead. You see uh, widows' jars of oil continuing to be replenished and replenished. I mean, you see all these, these incredible things, and then you move on to the Jesus period. Again, there's some, there's some here and there, but it's really these periods at the beginning. Then you have miracles in Exodus. Then you have miracles through some of the prophets. And then you have miracles through Jesus and the apostles. You remember Jesus' first miracle? What did he do? He turned water into wine. Remember his second? He heals the official son who was near death. Then he finds the disciples and they catch all the fish, the healing of the sick. It goes on and on and on. In fact, the Bible seems to record almost 150 miracles throughout this book. Half of them being found in the Old Testament, half of them being found in the New Testament. But I love what John 21, 25 says. It says, Jesus did many things as well, other things. And if every one of them were written down, I suppose, I love this passage, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. The miracles, we can't even fathom what Jesus did. We can't even fathom what God did. The only ones we know about are the ones we read here. We serve a God of miracles. Amen? But here's what I want you to understand is that every miracle we read about and see has purpose. Every one that we read about in the Bible, those miracles, whether through God, whether through his son, whether through a prophet, whether through an apostle, these miracles have purpose. And today maybe you're like, you're like Asaph and you're at a place in your life where you're struggling and you're believing that God is gonna do only what God can do. I mean, you've tried everything. You've tried the, the, the medicine, you've tried the doctors, you've tried uh, the Ouija boards, you know, what, uh, hopefully you're not trying that, but you've tried all these various things and you're still asking, God, when are you gonna show up? God, I'm, I'm believing in these things by faith. When are you gonna move like only you can move? God, I'm believing that you're gonna answer the things that my ancestors have been praying about, that generations before me have been praying about. God, I'm, I'm praying that you will show up and give me the miracle, God, that I need because I know that you love me. And some of you are begging God to take away the physical pain that you're experiencing. You're begging God to turn around the incurable, incurable disease or diagnosis that you've received. You're begging God to please bring home the son or daughter that has gone astray. You're begging God and praying for healing to take place not only in your body, but in somebody else's body. You're praying for your neighbors, your coworkers, that they would come to repentance and come to faith. And you're just saying, God, do it supernaturally. Would you do a miracle in their life so they would see you and they would respond. God, you said in your word, if I had faith as small as a mustard seed, that this mountain in front of me will move, that this tree in front of me will uproot itself and be cast into the ocean. You said in your word that nothing will be impossible for me. But why don't I see it? Why don't I experience it? Why am I still hurting? Why am I still asking? Why am I still lonely? Why am I still weeping? Where are you at, God? You ever think God is just sitting around, he's looking elsewhere. And you're thinking, just turn around, God, here I am. As if he's like, oh, I totally forgot you were here. I totally forgot you had a need. I'm so sorry. Let me get to that in three days. You know, I'll let you do your thing, but let me, I mean, is, is that what we think? Is that what we assume? So to better understand why God did what he did and why he decides to do or not do what he does today, I want you to know there's a few purposes of his miracles, and I want to give you two. There's much I can say about this, but let me just give you two if you're taking down notes, and here's the first one. 
The miracles of God authenticated the message and the messenger. The miracles of God that we read about, remember in the, in the time periods, the beginning, the, the Exodus, the Elijah and Elisha, the prophet era, the Jesus, the apostles, the, the miracles of God authenticated the message and the messenger. Can I take you to Hebrews chapter two? It's already been a week and now we're back in Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews chapter two, listen to what this says. Hebrews chapter two, verse three, it's be on the screen. It says, this salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. But verse four says, but God also testified to it by signs, by wonders, and by various miracles. And by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to the will. So we're seeing a few things. How do we know that God is real and his message is real and who Jesus was was real? Because God testified to it by giving us signs and wonders and miracles. That's how I know, that's how the people knew that Jesus was real, that, that his message was real, because God performed signs and wonders. And he showed miracles. Go back to Exodus 4. So hopefully you didn't leave Exodus 4. Exodus 4, verse 29. After they did, did all these things with, with Pharaoh, well, they go back to the people and they show them and tell them what happened. Verse, uh, Exodus chapter 4, verse 29. It says that Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of Israelites. And Aaron told them everything that the Lord had said to them. And he also performed the signs before the people. And what does it say? And the people believed. Now, the people already believed in God. It wasn't that all of a sudden, God is real. They knew God was real. Of course, they were enslaved. They knew God was real. But what did they believe? They believed that who God had sent, God had actually sent. That the message that Moses and Aaron were bringing was genuine, was real, and it was from God. How did they know it was from God? Because they did signs and wonders, and they said, surely this man is from God. Let me take you to John chapter 2. After Jesus turns water into wine, he goes to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast. He flips over some tables in the temple courts, and this is in verse 23 of John 2. It says that now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing, and he believed in his name. It says they saw what Jesus was doing. Surely this, this man must be from God. They believed in his name. You fast forward to John chapter 3. There's a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus, in verse 1 of John chapter 3, it says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from who? From God. For no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Does Nicodemus believe? Does he repent of his sin? Well, we don't really know that. What does he do believe? He believes that Jesus was sent from God. What do miracles in the Bible, what do signs and wonders in the Bible, they often authenticate the message and the messenger that God is real that Jesus is real and that he loves you and he has a plan for you and he created you. Let me show you. If you look in the book of Acts, Peter in his first message, he says Jesus was a man accredited by God to the people by miracles, signs, and wonders. You go a bit further to chapter 14. God is using Paul and Barnabas to bring salvation to many of the Jewish and Gentile people. Some of them refused. In Acts 14, verse 3, it says, Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Surely what you are talking about is real. And they saw it and they believed them. But did they all believe in God? Did they all respond in repentance to God? No. It says a lot of them didn't even believe. A lot of them weren't convinced by the miracles. They were in awe. They were shocked. They just saw a man raised from the dead. They saw a man who was blind that could now see, who was deaf that could now hear. They, they, they were in awe, which leads me to the second point, that the miracles of God demonstrated his glory. Somebody say, wow, wow. When I see God do things, I'm, I'm, I'm moved in awe. I'm so inspired. I'm thinking, surely that man 
is who he says he is. Surely that God is who he says he is. Look what he can do. Look, look what he says. When you see the supernatural of God taking place, you think, wow, God is mighty. Look at his glory. And I read some of these miracles, and I, and I, I laugh a little bit because I think God is up there like, let me see how, how long I can keep a man and a fish. Let's do it for three days. Maybe that three days has some significance. But let's see. Let's just cast the man over the, over the uh, boat and, and let a fish swallow him up. And he'll survive in there for three days. Let's, let's, let's see, let's see what, what I can do. You know, um, I, I can just imagine somebody up there with God saying, uh, you know, God, um, Balaam, if you remember the story of Balaam, uh, um, God, Balaam is going in the wrong direction and you told him not to go there. Um, we, need, we need somehow to convince Balaam to not go there. And God's like, let's let the donkey speak. Let's let the donkey, if you know the Bible, there's a donkey that speaks. Let, let's let the donkey speak. Um, and I could see his administrative assistant saying, yeah, but God, uh, uh, animals don't speak. Um, and then God says, you don't know who God is. You don't know who I am. And if, and if the animal is not going to speak, I might have a rock speak. Just wait. And so the donkey speaks. I just think sometimes these things are humorous. Remember when the disciples were, Jesus told them to cast their nets off the boat, and they caught all the fish. God's like, let's fill up two boats. Not just one, but two. The feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000, all the baskets that were left over. How many know that when God wants to bless you, sometimes he blesses you more? He gives you more than you need to show you that he's God so that you can see his glory because that's what miracles do. They demonstrate the glory of God. John 1, 14, the word became flesh talking about Jesus and he made his dwelling among us. And John says, we have seen his glory. When Jesus was talking to Mary and Martha, who were like, Jesus, Jesus, um, come heal our brother. This is what we're going to talk about next week, by the way. Come heal our brother. Please, please, he's dying, he's dying. And, and Jesus shows up, and at that point, Lazarus has already died. And Jesus shows up to Mary and Martha. He's, he's about to raise him from the dead, but he shows up to them, and he says this in 11 verse 40. He says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Mary and Martha, you'll see the glory of God of God. If you believe, come on, how many of you, if you believe that you want to see the glory of God? The scripture says, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And then he, and he raises this man from the dead. The word became flesh. We've seen his glory. And this is not no ordinary glory. This is a one of a kind glory, church. This is a one of a kind glory that can't be replicated. It doesn't matter what the devil can do how he can deceive you, how he can manipulate you. It doesn't matter. It's a one-of-a-kind glory. And through these miracles that we read all throughout Scripture, they authenticate the message, they authenticate the messenger, and they bring glory to God. But can I ask you a question? If we read about these things, yet sometimes we, we don't often see these things, if miracles authenticated the message and the messenger, if it demonstrated God's glory, my question to you, is it important to you, Christian, that you see them as well? Is it important to you as a believer, as you beg and you plead, is it important that you experience them today? Is it essential for your salvation that you see the supernatural taking place. Let me go back to the question that the guy asks John Piper. He says, we see them all throughout the Bible, all these signs and all these wonders and all these miracles. We see them, but we don't often see them here. And if we do, it seems as if they're rare. So why, John, do we not see these things? And let me tell you what's happening here, because the question isn't whether or not we believe that God does miracles, because we do believe that God does miracles. But he's basing this, this question off the assumption that they're not as evident. They're not, as, they're, they're not as consistent. They're, not, they're, they're here and they're there, but they don't seem to be here in my life. And let me give you his response. This is what John Piper responds. He says, he says to the student, he says, there were fewer miracles in the Bible than you probably think, and there are more miracles today than you probably know. There are fewer miracles in the Bible that you, than you probably think, and there are more miracles today than you probably know. 
Could you imagine if one person collected all these miracles that took place on earth today? Could you imagine if somebody was to authenticate all that God was doing and began to put a book together of the miracles happening through missionaries overseas, through evangelists on the streets, through preachers and pastors in homes and in churches? Could you imagine if we took all of what God was doing, there'd be millions of accounts, millions of stories. We hear about them, church, don't we? Could you imagine if somebody put all those in a book and you may think, oh, that's just, it's just coincidence. You may think, no, it's just an accident. No, it is the supernatural hand of God intervening uh, in the lives of us and human affairs. You can say it's coincidence, but I believe it was God. You can say it was an accident, but I believe it was God. And you can say it's science, but guess who invented science? God. And you could say it was therapy, but guess who invented therapy? It was God. And so you might say, listen, you know, you're thinking way too spiritual. You're thinking way too deep in that God is doing the miraculous. It's just coincidence. It's just, it's just nature. No, God is greater than all of that. And I choose to live by faith. Certainly there are things that happen that are happening in the natural. But I believe God is doing something in the supernatural. When, when the doctor gave us the report about our second son, halfway through the pregnancy, they said he was going to be Down syndrome. And we walked away thinking, you know what? We're going to be parents of a baby who has Down syndrome. And I told God, I said, this is who I'm going to be, and I'm okay with that. He had a cyst in his brain, and they gave us the, uh, the option to abort. And so we left that place crying and praying and believing that God was going to turn it around. Or that if he didn't, like we see in many cases, many parents have babies with diseases, and they, they question and they ask, if that wasn't the case and God was not going to heal our son, then, then that's okay. But God saw fit to heal our son. And we got the diagnosis a couple weeks later that he was perfectly fine, and we have a perfectly um, um, healthy three-year-old. But I know that's not the case for everybody, but I believe by faith that God saw fit to heal my son because we serve a God of miracles. But can I tell you, church, that I don't base my faith off of what I see. I don't base my faith off of what God does supernaturally. Because God didn't say, Jacob, in order to believe, you have to see. God said, greater are those who believe and do not see. And so I don't have a faith that's based off of miracles. Because if I had a faith based off of miracles, then I would not have a saving faith at all. Do I need a miracle to show up in my life to authenticate the message and the messenger that God has sent? Do I need it to, to see the glory of God? The answer to that is no. I don't want a faith based off of just what I see. I don't want a faith based off of just what God will do in the supernatural. I don't want a faith based off of that. I have a faith based on regardless if God is doing something or not. Because of what he did all those years ago with his son. The greatest miracle of all. Let me take it to Luke chapter 16. Because if I need a faith that is sustained by miracles, then I don't have a saving faith at all. Did it work for the Israelites? who after time and time again, they saw miracle after miracle after miracle, and they did not believe. Miracle after miracle after miracle, and they still hated God and rebuked God. Did it work for the Pharisees, who saw miracle after miracle after miracle, and they still questioned whether or not he was real? Miracle after miracle after miracle, and then they wanted to crucify him. Did it work for the Jewish people, who saw Jesus perform miracles on the streets? Who are those people that were shouting with Jesus and Barabbas, crucified Jesus? They were the ones that witnessed the miracles of Jesus. Do you need a faith that has to be sustained by only what you can see or what you know deep down in here? And this was a question that a rich man was asking in Luke chapter 16. And I won't read it for you for the sake of time. Let me just summarize it. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus is telling a a parable about a man by the name of Lazarus. And he's going to talk about resurrection, but this isn't the same Lazarus that he resurrected who, who's, whose sisters were Mary and Martha. This is a different Lazarus, a rich man and a, and, a, and a poor man. And the rich man has this nice house. He has this nice gate. But at the gate is a beggar. The beggar's name is Lazarus. He's the poor man. Both of them die like all of us will, which is also an interesting point. We can only be healed so much. God didn't create us to be healed physically on earth. He created us to one day be healed spiritually in heaven, where there is no more weeping, where there is no more pain, where there is no more brokenness. So if God sees fit not to heal you, 
That shouldn't cause you to question God because you know in the end that God is going to heal you and that you will be in, in glory with him for the rest of your life. This is, this is only a moment. This is only a moment. So the rich man dies, and soon after that, the poor man dies. The rich man goes to this place called Hades. And Lazarus, the poor man, goes to this place next to Abraham in heaven. And the rich man is in so much torment, he's in so much pain, he's, he's asking and begging and pleading because he can see Lazarus, the poor man, at his gate, sitting in heaven next to Father Abraham. And here he is in torment. And, he's, and he asks a question. He says, he says, Father Abraham, can you send down Lazarus the beggar to just it'll cool my tongue for I am in agony, for I am in pain. And Abraham responds, he says, no can do because you can't pass through here and neither can this man pass through there. And so then Lazarus asks a second question. He says, okay, okay. But can you send Lazarus back to earth so he can go to my father's house and tell my brothers about you so they don't end up where I am? Please, please, Abraham, would you send, would you send him back? Would you resurrect him and send him back to my father's so they can see, see Lazarus? And Abraham responds. He says, I can't, I can't because... They don't need Lazarus. They, they have Moses and the prophets. No, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. They need to see a miracle. That'll convince them. That'll change them. Please, Abraham, would you send Lazarus, the dead man, send him back to earth so he can appear before my father, appear before my brothers, and save them. Because surely if they see a miracle, they will be convinced. Surely if they see a dead man alive, they will be changed. Surely. Now let me ask you a question. If, if Abraham decides to say, you know what, okay. Let's send this man back to your father and back to your brothers. Would it authenticate the message in the messenger? Yes. Would it bring God glory? Yes. But would it lead them to repentance? Because that's what the man was asking. It's safe to say that we assume Lazarus was, was uh, maybe shared his faith before and then they didn't want anything to do with it. And so now the, the, the rich man is like, please send him again. This time they will believe because they will see the supernatural. But in verse 31 of Luke 16, he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if somebody rises from the dead. Moses and the prophets, that they heard these stories at Sabbath. They know what the scriptures say. In fact, what did Moses and the prophets talk about? Yes, they did miracles. Yes, they, 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 they brought in the supernatural God through, through them. Yes, people saw it. But what was the message that they were bringing? Remember, don't look at so much of the method, but look at the message. What was the message they were bringing? Was repent of your wicked ways, believe in God, and you will be saved. And so Abraham is telling the rich man who's in hell, if that doesn't save them, then what is a miracle going to do? If they don't believe this, by faith, hearing the word of God should draw all men and all women to repentance. They do not need a miracle. Would a miracle been great? Yes. Would it have been cool and inspiring to these men? Would they have gone, wow, this is incredible? Absolutely. But would it have brought them to repentance? No. Because miracles do not produce, prevent, uh, miracles do not produce conviction or conversion in the hearts of lost people. Man, they, they, they encourage the body and they bring, they bring faith, they inspire but it's not a saving faith. In fact, the Pharisees, they questioned Jesus in Matthew 16. They were like, we demand a sign. If you are who you say you are, we demand a sign. Give us another one because we've heard about these things, we've seen these things, but give us a sign that we demand to see. Have you ever asked that question, Christian? God, I demand to see something. I desire to see something. God, just, just it, it'll increase my faith. I promise you, Lord. It, it'll inspire me to do more for you. I promise you, Lord. But this is what he says in Matthew 16, verse 4. This is Jesus. He says, a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given 
except the sign of Jonah. A wicked and adulterous generation is looking for signs. We're looking for, for the miraculous. We're looking for wonders. I gotta be honest. Put me in there because I'm looking for them too. I, I, I desire to see them. I wanna, I wanna lay hands on the blind and let them see. I wanna put my hands on somebody who is deaf and I want them to hear. Man, I believe it happens. And I wanna see somebody who is lame walk again. Oh, I, God, I, would, I desire but is that what sustains me? Is that what governs me? Is that what runs me? No, absolutely not. Because if that's only what I'm demanding, then I'm part of that wicked and adulterous generation who demands a sign. But Jesus said, the only sign you're getting is the sign of Jonah. What's the sign of Jonah? God, what's, what does a man swallowed up by a fish have anything to do with this? You know the miracle of Jonah? He was buried in a fish. For how many days? Three days. And then he was, came out of that fish three days later. What's the sign of Jonah? The sign of Jonah would be the greatest miracle of Jesus. It would be the death, the burial, and the resurrection of his son. Anybody thankful for the resurrection of Jesus? That's what I look to. That's what I desire. That's what I demand, God. But here's the thing. We're not looking forward to that. We're looking back to it. It already took place. It already happened. God, the sign of Jonah is the only sign I need. The miracle of Jonah is the only miracle I need because it's the only miracle that is going to change me. It is the only miracle that is going to save me. And because of that, every man and every woman now has a chance to respond to you, to believe in you, to repent of their sins. And the scripture says they will be saved. That's the only miracle I need. And I already received it. Anybody else already receive it? God, I thank you, Lord. I praise you. You are so good. You are so great. God, I don't want to be somebody who's sitting around looking and asking and begging and pleading for you to do. And for that to be the only thing that's sustaining me. Because, God, if you're not answering, like you did with your son who walked around many, then, God, I'm going to be discouraged. I'm going to be hurting. I'm going to be broken. I'm going to be in pain because you're not responding in the way that I want you to respond. But God, right now, in this moment, if there's somebody in this room that does not know who you are, somebody online that does not know who you are, but they respond, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. All across this room, would you stand to your feet? I want to I pray for somebody in this, in this, this room who... Maybe today you're far from God and maybe you're here and, and we're gonna pray for, for what you're asking for. We are gonna do that. We're gonna take some time to believe by faith. But maybe you're here and you're saying, I, I don't know who Jesus is and man, I think he's knocking at my door and, he, and I, I feel some conviction. Oftentimes I'll sit with somebody and I'll say, what's going on in your heart? And they'll say, I'm just feeling so much conviction. Well, that's God drawing you in, saying all your sin in your life, God wants to take you, take it, because right now it's separating you from him and he wants to take it. Just give it to him. Give it to him. He says he has a, a plan for you and a purpose for you. He wants to direct your steps. And so if you're here today, you're watching online and you don't know who Jesus is, now is the day. Now, right now is the time to say, Lord, forgive me my sins. I believe in you. And so I want to breathe a prayer over every, every individual in this room. If you're here and you're saying, that's me, then I want you to repeat after me. In fact, everybody in this room, would you, would, you, would you say this? But if you really mean it, mean it. It's not this, this magical prayer that saves you, but it's this moment that you believe that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Would you say, Heavenly Father, forgive me my sin. Make me a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. Forgive me, Father. Today, I serve you. Today, I follow you. Today, you are my Father and I am your child. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for those that prayed that prayer? If you prayed that prayer, there's a the connect card my dad talked about. Would you grab that connect card? Would you fill it out? Would you take it back to the tent outside? We got a gift for you. We want to pray for you. But I want to just close with this, and our team's going to lead us. Because, I, you know, I, I think about the dramatic things that God has done and can do. And we've heard about them. The dead being raised to life. 
the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the lame walking. We hear about these things. And so on one side, God, I say, Lord, would you give me faith to believe? Give them faith to receive. And your scripture says that if somebody is sick, bring them to the elders of the church and we'll anoint you with oil and we'll lay our hands on you and we'll pray for you to be healed. Can I tell you as your pastor, I believe that that can happen. I believe in it. I believe in it. We, me and my dad, we believe in this. And we will lay hands on you all day if you are sick and you are asking and begging. But here's what I can tell you. It's not my responsibility that you be healed. It's not the oil either. The outcome is up to God. And so these great miracles that we read about, that we don't often see, that for so many it's sustaining us. And God, if you just showed us. But John Piper, can I tell you what he said and remind you what he said? He says that there are few and far between, but now there are greater miracles happening. There are more miracles happening. Every time you sit at your table and you got food on your table, God is the provider. He is the miracle worker. Every time God restores your soul, restores your health, God is the miracle worker. He is the healer. Every time he brings a son or daughter home, God is the miracle worker. He brings them back. Every time you see the little things that God is doing, that church, can I tell you, that is bringing encouragement to the body of Christ. Every time you pray a prayer and he answers that, that is a miracle taking place. God, I thank God for the little miracles. I thank God that you are working, God. Lord, I want to see the spectacular. But I don't base my faith off, off the spectacular. I still believe by faith. I still believe that you can do the impossible. But God, I believe in you. And I believe that you saved me. And I believe that your son died on a cross. God, that is the greatest miracle. That is what sustains me. That is what keeps me. I'm going to keep believing. Church, I'm going to keep praying. Don't limit God. Don't limit him to what he can or can't do. Don't limit him to what you think he can do or what he can't do. Don't limit God. God, help my unbelief. Would you say that? Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief, God. But I know that even though when I don't see it, you are working. Even though when I don't feel it, come on church, tell him he is working. Even though when I don't experience it, he is moving. Even when I don't physically get to be part of it, God, you are moving. Come on, if you need a miracle in your life, would you lift up your hands all across this room? If you need prayers that need to be answered, would you just lift up your hands all across this room? And would you just worship him? God, I thank you. God, I thank you. Come on, sing it. Declare it this morning. Yes. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.